and welcome to Let's Be Together, the first ever Birmingham City Council coronavirus podcast. I'm Chris Kovalevsky and I'm from the City Council's corporate communications team. first podcast we've done so we're learning as we go along and we'd welcome any feedback comments or questions on the issue of coronavirus via our social media channels you can reach us on twitter facebook and instagram they're all at beham city council so without further ado let's move on to the topic at hand The impact of coronavirus has undoubtedly changed the lives of everyone across the country. For us in the council, it's had a huge effect on how we run and prioritise our services. From bin workers to school teachers to park rangers and housing officers, our 800 services have all been affected and they've all had to adapt. And just looking at on the page there, 800 services, I've worked here for a few years and I didn't even know that we did that many things. So it just shows how far reaching everything we do to help you, the citizen and listener of Birmingham, how wide and how varied they are. As we said, we'll be looking to bring you this short podcast series to keep you informed of everything we're up to as the pandemic continues. Today, we'll be speaking with our Director of Public Health here at the City Council, Dr Justin Varney, and the leader of the City Council, Councillor Ian Ward. So, without further ado, let's get started. Justin, Ian, welcome to the programme and thanks for joining us. So if I can start with you, Ian, how have you been coping personally with lockdown? Um, well, I've been working from home. Um, and like everybody else, you know, I'm having to follow the rules around social distancing in order that we can keep as many people as possible safe. And how about you, Justin? Yeah, I think all of us have good days and bad days. You know, learning how you adapt to being in a space, even if you love your other half a lot. Um, there are times when you need to get a bit of private space and private time. And also building a routine. Uh, you know, we all started lockdown with the best intentions and then the snacks appeared and we ended up spending a bit more time on the sofa than we should have done. Um, and I think now actually people are coming out of that and I've certainly been better at you know building up my exercise regime and sticking to three meals a day you know and and getting out when i can um, and that's really important part of this actually has been building routine and making sure to still have break it's a lot of self-care actually has been really important i think what you've said there sums it up really it's a situation that many um, of us there may be no one at all who's familiar with anything like this who's listening to this podcast so naturally there's a lot of information and advice and dare i say rumors out there that are circulating around so i just wondered justin if you could help me kick this off with a quick fire round of Fake news or not? Fake news or not? I'm going to put five rumours to you and I just need you to tell me what's true and what is pure, simple and unadulterated fake news. Fake news or not? 5G mobile networks spread COVID-19. Fake news, completely fake, absolute rubbish. Virus is a little organism. 5G is about your mobile phone signal. The two have got nothing to do with each other. There we have it. The voice of authority has spoken. Fake news or not? Drinking alcohol protects you against COVID-19. Again, fake news. Alcohol, if anything, actually is going to lower your immune system and potentially make you more vulnerable. But, you know, that's not saying you shouldn't enjoy a drink if you like. Uh, the important thing during this period is to just watch that drinking frequency because it's all too easy, particularly when you're getting a bit low, to just keep reaching for the bottle. But alcohol is not a protective thing. 
uh, that will help you stop getting COVID, unless it's in your hand sanitizer. I know that may disappoint a few people listening to this, but the fake news klaxon has well and truly sounded there. Fake news or not. COVID-19 can be transmitted in areas with hot and humid climates. That's true. Uh, We're not seeing any difference in the way that uh, coronavirus is spreading in different parts of the world at different points in in their uh, climate or their cycle. So it's spreading just as virulently in hot climates, uh, particularly we've seen that in the Middle East, as it is in cold climates. So I'm afraid uh, there's not going to be any let up for summer. Fake news or not. Catching the coronavirus means I'll have it for life. That is fake news. So um, when you have coronavirus, it's like any other virus. You get it, you're sick for a period and you recover from it. What we also don't know at the moment is whether when you recover from it, you have immunity. Uh, And the best way of describing this is coronavirus is the same family as the common cold. Um, And we all know that in in a normal year, we often catch a cold two or three times a year uh, and we don't get immunity to that common cold. Um, So COVID-19 is the same family of coronaviruses. And increasingly, we're starting to see that catching it doesn't necessarily give you protection for a a long period afterwards. And there are people who've caught it more than once. Um, And that's why we need the vaccine, because the vaccine will stimulate a much stronger immune response that should give us protection. But until we have it, um, you can catch coronavirus more than once. And once you've caught it, doesn't mean you've got it for life, just means you've caught it. And unfortunately, you could get it again. Fake news or not. We should all be wearing face masks. Yeah, this is the difficult one because it it, it is a kind of mix and match. So um, I think we will get guidance uh, in the coming days about face masks in public. The Scottish First Minister has already gone on record and said she would suggest people wear fabric face masks if they're in closed spaces like buses or trains or going to the supermarket. Uh, And the best way of describing this is a fabric face mask protects the world from you and a surgical face mask protects you from the world. So we really want to use those surgical face masks for people that are most vulnerable or are working in our NHS or social care um, to protect them from the people that they're working with. But if it's you or I going out to the shops or going on the bus, that's where a fabric face mask is fine. Um, The other thing that's really important to understand is the face mask is kind of the icing on the cake. If you don't wash your hands, if you don't keep the physical distance, then the face mask is a complete waste of time. In terms of the hierarchy of what protects you from this virus, it is hand washing first and then physical distancing of those magic two metres. The face mask is just a tiny little addition at the end. It is not the main protection. So and that's the real risk is we wear a mask and we think we're safe and invincible and actually we forget to do those things. So if you are going to wear a fabric face mask, make sure it's the right kind of thing. Look online. There's lots of good advice out there about how to make one if you're crafting. Um, But the most important thing is, remember, you must wash your hands and it doesn't change any of the guidance about physical distancing. Thanks for your contribution there to Fake News or Not. And now I've got a few questions for Councillor Ian Ward, the leader of Birmingham City Council. Ian, it's great to have you here. Thank you. So when it comes to coronavirus, what does the um, situation currently look like here in Birmingham? 
Well, I think, uh, first of all, I'd like to pay tribute to the City Council staff who've been working over the last six weeks to keep everybody in this city as safe as we possibly can during this current crisis. They really have done a fantastic job. Staff in the council have gone that extra mile to, to ensure that we've taken the steps that we need to take to ensure the safety of people right across the city. And also the volunteers as well have come out to help those who are shielding themselves through this current period, delivering food and other essentials so that people can continue uh, to live their lives. In terms of the picture with the virus, I would have to say that Birmingham has fared better than, than some other areas. So we've got the sixth highest rate of confirmed cases in the West Midlands. We're lower than Warsaw, Sandwell, Wolverhampton, Solihull and Dudley. And amongst the core cities, the larger cities in the country, we have the fourth highest rate, so we're behind Sheffield, Newcastle-upon-Tyne and Liverpool. Deaths in hospitals that cover Birmingham residents do tend to fluctuate, and that's certainly been the case over the last few days because of delays in reporting the confirmation of death. But there has been a general reduction in daily deaths reported by the NHS that I think does reflect the impact of social distancing and lockdown. So it just reinforces really that all of us taking these steps to social distance and stay home and protect the NHS is having an effect in reducing the number of deaths. So we're continuing to do all we can to keep as many people as possible safe uh, during this awful period. And we will be doing some further analysis on all of these numbers and statistics to try and get beneath the surface here and find out what is actually going on with this virus in order that we can inform how we move forward here and keep as many people as we possibly can safe into the future. Now, in the introduction to the podcast, I mentioned that we've got 800 different services as a city council. That inevitably means that many council workers are key workers. So if we look at that, reference the whole issue of social distancing that you've explained all of the restrictions around what has been the big challenge for the city to continue delivering those services well our fundamental purpose of course has been to preserve life and protect vulnerable groups uh, but we have maintained council services to an appropriate level and as i said earlier thanks to all of the city council staff for everything they've done over the last six weeks to ensure that's been the case taken on a wide range of COVID-19 specific tasks. We're sourcing food supplies and arranging for the distribution of food parcels for the clinically vulnerable people right across uh, the city. We are leading the city's efforts around the supply and distribution of PPE. We are ensuring that members of staff who are on the very front line of the city's response to COVID-19, such as care workers, teachers, bin crews, that they're able to do their job by ensuring that we provide them with the appropriate level and effective PPE. We are also ensuring that our other services continue to operate in these crisis times. So if I give you a few examples, in housing, our rough sleeper and outreach team has had to remain out on the front line every day, supporting people who are out on the streets. Even our statutory homeless team has uh, been doing its job, albeit it's moved to a telephone service only. We have caretakers out there who are working much earlier hours to limit their contact and help socially distance from others. The repair service has gone to emergency-only repairs, with tenants having to confirm in advance their status before contractors are allowed to attend in order to keep everybody safe. Another area where people will be familiar is the waste and street cleansing crews. They 
usually operate with PPE, although we're now recognising the fact that they are now putting themselves in additional danger, so we're taking uh, greater steps to protect them. Care workers and the brave men and women who are doing a vital job, they are, of course, in contact with people who are potentially suffering from this illness all of the time, but they are doing a fantastic job out there and uh, they will continue to do so. So issues around PPE have been widely reported across the country. What's it been like here in Birmingham? We have had an issue over securing enough PPE for all of our workers that require it. Um, And we've gone back out there to make it absolutely clear clear to the government that our key workers deserve the very best of protection during this period. And we've had to voice that concern over lack of PPE and a somewhat chaotic uh, supply chain continually to government over this period. And we'll continue to do that because we're determined that all of our staff who are doing the essential jobs that need to be done over this period get the protection that they need to continue to carry out those those vital uh, services that people are relying upon. I think their efforts have hopefully seen us get past the peak. That's what a lot of experts are suggesting. So how do things look now that we could be starting to head out of out of the worst of this and, and you know, the beginning of, of the end for lockdown? It's really important that the, the lockdown is reduced in a really measured way so that we keep everybody as safe as possible. And as we return to the new normality, I think, and whatever the new normality means, I do think it will take some time. And we have to be realistic to know that the virus is not just going to go away. We have to protect against a second wave because no one uh, will want to see uh, that happen. This, is course, of course, has been a very challenging time for Birmingham and its economy, and we need to be working with all of our businesses to safeguard jobs and livelihoods as we come out of the lockdown. And we need to continue to work with all of our communities right across Birmingham to ensure that we all recover as quickly as we possibly can in the safest uh, possible way. And I think cities like Birmingham uh, will need to play a major role in the post-COVID economic recovery. And we want to work with the government and other partners to ensure that we can help uh, people and communities right across the city to get their lives back on track. The council and all of its staff will be needed more than ever. We'll be contributing towards building homes, creating jobs and supporting businesses and enabling communities to go on and thrive again as we come out of this emergency situation. And we'll all be working, I think, to create a, a new Birmingham And uh, we want that Birmingham to be uh, better, uh, more resilient uh, and more equal than the Birmingham before the lockdown was imposed. Justin, if we look at the science bit here, timescales on this, what do you realistically think if we can indeed put a figure on when things will be anywhere near normal? Yeah, everyone loves a good crystal ball moment. Um, So my my view here is that, you know, we won't return to anything near pre-COVID until we have a vaccine or we have very good medical treatment of people when they get sick in hospital. And we don't have either of those two at the moment. The vaccine with a good wind, we will have a functioning vaccine in the early autumn. And then if we did have something that we confirmed was working, then we would be looking to roll that out in terms of getting enough vaccine to protect people in the late winter. So probably around December or January, potentially even into 2021. Until we have those things, it will not be safe for people 
to meet in mass gatherings, to be less physically distant, because there is a real risk that, that we could get that second peak until we do get robust immunity and protection against this virus spreading. So, I mean, I think it is going to be a new normal for a while. And I think also, as the leader says, there's lots of things that actually are positive that are coming out of this. The partnerships, the ways of working, we've all become incredibly tech savvy in the last couple of weeks. And actually, the the new normal will be a new normal, uh, I think, for many years to come, rather than necessarily reverting back to everything like it was before COVID. I think it's more about what does the new future look like and how do we make sure that's one in which everyone thrives, achieves their potential and the city continues to move forward. Justin and Ian, thanks for answering those questions. Thanks very much. At the end of every episode of Let's Be Together, we'd like to end things on a high during these difficult times. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Tierney from Birmingham Wildlife Conservation Park. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit, for people who might not be familiar with it, what the Wildlife Conservation Park is? Yeah, of course. So Birmingham Wildlife Conservation Park, it's based in Cannon Hill Park, just off the Pershaw Road, and they specialise in endangered species. How did this idea of staging Facebook Lives every week come about? So I saw something on social media that another zoo were doing something similar. We felt it was important during the lockdown period because we've had to close that we can showcase the hard work that our staff are putting into the park at the moment. Also to show off our amazing animals and the excellent care that they receive. I think it is really important to, to show the public that we're still doing that and obviously that we'd like them to attend um, once we're back open again after lockdown. So you talk about the animals. Every week you're doing this Facebook Live on the account that is linked to the venue. So what are some of the animals that you have showcased? Yeah, so week one we did it as a trial run and we did the red pandas. Week two we had Pete the Komodo dragon. Week three we had the ring-tailed lemurs and then week four, so last week we had about 6,000 views on reptiles, so quite varied really. Tell me more about the numbers. I mean, that sounds quite big. I don't know how many visitors you get on a normal day to the centre, but it, it sounds like you're drawing a big audience there. Yeah, it's been really successful. We, honestly, we didn't really know what to expect of it when we thought of the idea. And yeah, it's absolutely smashed those kind of figures. It's been really impressive, especially when you consider that one household could have four people viewing as well. So to have 24,000 views, which we had for the ring-tailed lemurs, was really impressive. We're really pleased with it. Oh, well, that's really good to hear. So what about the audience that you've been been attracting? I'm guessing that it's a quite interactive thing, given that it's on Facebook Live. Yeah, so with the audience, I guess we was initially we was aiming it at, obviously, uh, children, uh, children being at home in lockdown, like educational and informative for them. But as it happens, a lot of the comments that have been flying in, we've had people of all ages commenting, um, adults to, to children, yeah. It's been really good. The two keepers, Adam and Gareth, have been fantastic in presenting the live streams. Les, the Nature Centre manager, has been firing the questions at them and have been answering all the questions as much as possibly can. So it's been really good. So so what are the next steps now you seem to have done something here that's got a proven viewer base? Yeah, so with our next steps, as I say, we didn't really know what to expect initially, but it's been really successful. So on the back of that, we're going to continue with the live, live streams. It's proven to be a really big hit. So we want to be able to promote and engage more with the interested visitors. It's been really good though because a lot of people have commented also that they didn't know that the uh, Birmingham Wildlife Conservation Park even existed so it's really got them on the map. So you've got a, a good bit of advertising out of this you've been able to showcase what's going on and keep people educated. 
Yeah, and in the background, we've got work um, ongoing really to, to improve the visitor experience at BWCP too. So yeah, we're really pleased. So how do people find out more about these Facebook lives? Where do they need to go to? So if you're on Facebook, it'd be good if you followed Birmingham Wildlife Conservation Park. You don't actually need Facebook either to, to view these feeds. You just you just need to be, um, type in Birmingham Wildlife Conservation Park into Facebook search or even Google. Excellent. So the key thing is they're going out at 1pm every Wednesday lunchtime during the lockdown. So if you've got a spare moment, and let's face it, a lot of us have during these times, why not give the Wildlife Conservation Park a visit virtually? Michael, thanks for your time. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's episode of Let's Be Together. Thanks for listening in. And if you have any questions, please get in touch with us on social media. Remember to subscribe to the podcast for the next episode. Look forward to speaking to you all again soon. And please keep safe.